today on the show, providing corporal works of mercy for veterans when prayer is a slog, what to do in the new Areopagus, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Hello, everybody. It is time for the CU Weekly, the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 399. Yeah. I'm Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we've got Kathleen Lee. She's the executive director of the Women's New Life Center. Hello, Kathleen. Uh, hello, yes. everyone. Good to have you along with us. Good uh, to be here. You know, you're you're a fixture now. Ah, uh, pretty much. You I are. mean, I've been around for. A She's an institution. She is an herself. institution. Yes. <laughs> also, we've got Olivia Galino. She is a, a student of life. She is our resident, uh, well, baking technician, because she's actually brought baked goods. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Olivia. Hello. Also up to the uh, the satellite of Jeff, the Jeff Star One Near Earth Orbit Satellite, to Jeff Blackwell, who is its commandant and our tech director. Hey, Jeff. Having a bam hair day here, Father. But uh, yeah, good to be with you. These things <laughs> do happen. That's all right. Uh, I think you're. Uh, it's not against the dress code up there. No, not at all. And then uh, David Bazelli, who is our quartermaster and brig superintendent, who mm-hmm. is in for Ed Ball. So he is in the. Bazelli ball pit. There you go. Oh yes, I yeah, love it. I tell you. Um, so, so if you're watching us uh, on video, uh, however the video is coming to you on Roku or on Catholic TV or on the Catholic Faith Network or, you know, Facebook, Fazabuka, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, welcome, welcome. Uh, happy to have you. And if you're new to the show and to the Apostolate, <laughs> strap in, folks. <laughs> Uh, so, God love you. <laughs> God love you. That's right. So what we thought we would do today is uh, is begin by going through one of the perhaps overlooked corporal works of mercy. Uh, in fact, if we want to connect it to the gospel uh, of the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time, year C, which is when we're broadcasting this, um, uh, a man runs up to Jesus and says, I'll follow you wherever you want to go. But first, I have to go and bury my father. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says something that's very uh, striking. He says, let the dead bury their dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And so there, there's this, this notion that he's saying, if you're going to be a disciple of me, if you're going to follow me, then you have to love me first yeah. before any other thing I have to come first. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is saying that we don't honor the dead. Sure. Absolutely, right? And so we know uh, from, from the Old Testament all the way unto today uh, that, that burial of the dead is, is an important corporal work of mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it corporal, right? Because that's what is mean body. Mm-hmm. So, so works of mercy that we do for other people, right? Uh, actual physical things that we can do for them. And one of them is dignifying the body with a burial. Yeah. Um, because we do, we recognize uh, that we are created good. And, and it's not just spirit good and body is bad. Mm-hmm. No, no, the, the spirit is certainly good because mm-hmm. we are created with <gasps> ruah, with, mm-hmm. with God's own spirit breathed into us. Do you like the, the, uh, the Hebrew word there for you, Jeff? I love that. Ruah. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I love the... <gasps> yeah, but yeah, well, our yeah. bodies are also created very good. And it's yes. only through our concupiscence, our inclination to sin, mm. that, uh, that our bodies can, can kind of become slaves to our passions, mm-hmm. right? But the body itself is good. And so that's why we dignify it with... Uh, burial. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a, a, a Catholic memo- Catholic Memorial School, which is a Christian brother school in Massachusetts, 
Uh, they have begun arranging funerals of homeless military veterans. Mm. My, awesome. mm -hmm. It's a really cool idea, uh, mm -hmm. and, and what a great outreach. That would be an apostolate mm -hmm. uh, of, of a school, right, right. Uh, of, the, of the men and women at the school. Uh, Kevin Durazo, who's the director of campus ministry, began this tradition of providing funerals uh, for veterans with no known living friends or family about two years ago. Uh, and this is, uh, this is a, an article from the year 2019, so... Uh, it's a kind of a fresh apostolate. Mm -hmm. um, the the hockey team uh, laid to rest uh, veteran John Fitzmorris, mm. uh, and so now the school has folded that into part of their mission. Um, and, and their mission already, they say, is to welcome those on the margins into their community. Uh, and it's in an active and engaging way for an adolescent to understand the concept of empathy. Mm -hmm. And so just on a merely human level, right. uh, providing the burial for someone who, who you really perhaps don't know, mm -hmm. right. uh, but, uh, but still needs to be dignified, sure. uh, be given dignity. And that's really something that our world doesn't seem to kind of get, mm -hmm. is that, that even if a person is dead they deserve dignity. Right. Or that like, you don't have to know someone yeah. for, for the, them to deserve your compassion. Right. Um, you know, the fact that this person is a complete stranger, most likely, mm -hmm. and they certainly don't know as high school students, what it's like to live a, a life as a veteran, sure. but, right. but they, you can still enter into another person's experience and, and like offer service for them. And that's part of, uh, of what happens, um, as, as we'll go through the story here, that's part of what happens to the students is it becomes a component for them to truly enter into the life of another. And that's mm -hmm. the way that we can be compassionate, right? Mm -hmm. As you remember from your, from your reading of the Latin, compassio, huh? to share one's passion with, to mm -hmm. share one's suffering with, uh, and to enter into it. It's not just to kind of observe it from afar, mm -hmm. but that's why we, we celebrate the passion of Jesus and we witness his compassion for us. Mm -hmm. He reaches into our suffering and he takes it upon himself and we can actually do that as well, especially we who are baptized into his passion, death, and resurrection. Uh, so the the notion here is it's part of the required service work each year. The the students collectively complete over fifteen thousand hours wow. of required service, um, but they don't receive hours for their participation in the funeral. Good for yeah. you. So That's this awesome. is again, this is what makes it a work of mercy, right. yeah. and not like a, a you know having to touch the bar to, yeah. to to move along. That's really, I really applaud that being a former campus minister because mm -hmm. so many times kids are like, "Does this count?" And I'm like, "Does it? Does it count? Yes, right. it counts. <laughs> of course, it counts." Yeah. Oh, does it count for hours? No, get out of here. Bye. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it counts towards your merits in heaven. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's but awesome. that shouldn't be the reason you do it. Right. That's yeah. right. And so uh, Mr. Durazo will receive a phone call from the, the local funeral home. He then invites different student groups to host the funeral. Uh, and so the hockey team and the football teams have volunteered mm -hmm. to serve as pallbearers. Uh, the school partners with the funeral home, which is Lawler and Crosby, uh, to coordinate the casket, the hearse, the transportation mm -hmm. needed. Uh, for the burial at the Veterans Cemetery, um, also there in Massachusetts. Um, this time, uh, Mr. Durazo asked for eight members of the basketball team to serve at the funeral of Mr. Fowl, who was a man who gave up part of his life to serve others. Uh, in the days leading up to the new year, a homeless Army veteran named Timothy Fowl passed away at the Brockton, Virginia, or the Brockton VA Hospital there mm -hmm. in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And he spent six years in the Army to serve his nation as a medical specialist in the 1980s. He worked as a welder in the years that followed before falling on hard times. At the time of his death, he left behind no known friends or family. Mm -hmm. He had no heartfelt goodbyes mm -hmm. at the time of his passing, um, but uh, his remains needed proper burial, right? 
Um, and so uh, the, the school president, Peter Follin, said at, uh, at CM, so Catholic Memorial, we're family, mm-hmm. a proud family. We're a community that welcomes people and accepts them for where they are. And we ask them to join us in our journey toward being more, doing more, and caring for others. And he said at the funeral, Timothy Fowl, welcome to our family. Oh, gosh, yeah. And that, I mean, that is the thing, is that, that you're, you're not concerned about uh, how many alum can be paying their dues. Mm-hmm. You're worried about how many people you can welcome into the Christian family even yeah. after their death. That's yeah. a really mm-hmm. beautiful thing. Uh, at the time of his death, few knew about Mr. Fowl, um, but as the, the, uh, the school president listed off his military service, the significance of his duty, uh, a room full of young men began to understand, understand what his name meant, mm-hmm. that there is a person behind yeah. the name, uh, which, which kind of flies in the face of a lot of popular culture yeah. and popular media. In fact, there is a song, I believe, by, by Mr. Jason Mraz oh, mm-hmm. that says that our name is our virtue. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, incorrect. Yeah. You know, uh, womp, if, womp, womp. if all our name is is our virtue, then we are nominalist automatons. Yes. yes. You know, but uh, but we are so much more than our name. Our name signifies who we are, mm-hmm. and uh, and in listing off the the things that Mr. Fowl did in service to his country, uh, we find out who he is. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing: our, our 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 doing is an extension of who we of our being. Right. Yeah. You know, that's really uh, it. Really makes me think about you know the idea that all these people that we see that we encounter in a day. Like what's there not you know mostly for me when I see a homeless person or someone who's on the street I don't I mean I don't often think about what's their story where yeah. do they come from there's a song yep. there's a new country song out but I don't know by who this girl but she talks about the girl on the side of the road yeah mm-hmm. and what's her story like she's somebody's daughter she's somebody's best friend like she was she you know, was selling lemonade when she was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is that story that we don't always take the time, and you know, we don't always have the time mm-hmm. into everybody right. that we encounter, um, but but to put that value into their life. Mm-hmm. You know, this is you know, I think about that sometimes. Like this guy on the side of the road is somebody's. Yeah, there's son. a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like he is. He has to be somebody's son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where where did he come from? What mm-hmm. did he do? Why is he where he is right now? Yeah. You know, um, and that and is is such an important thing to. I think to investigate. Yeah, I, absolutely. And so to make it kind of an unofficial, official part of the school curriculum right. in this particular outreach, is a, is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so as they say in, in the article, uh, with that, every student leaves school that day keeping this man's memory alive, mm-hmm. and perhaps appropriating for themselves uh, some of the doing that he did, mm-hmm. so that their being exalts God in, in a more pleasing way to God. You know, mm-hmm. the more and more we are conformed to doing the things, the works of God, mm-hmm. the more and more we become pleasing to God. God, who was already pleased with us because yeah. we are created, right. um, he he begins to beam like a proud father mm-hmm. whenever our being actually begins to reflect Him mm-hmm. in a more perfect way. And that's what the corporal works of mercy are supposed to do. Right. Uh, it's 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 a kind of one to one mutual thing as I. Pour myself out for another, uh, in providing mercy and dignity. Uh, I then am also receiving grace upon grace. You mm-hmm. know, uh, and and so it is a beautiful thing. We don't we don't do the corporate works of mercy uh, in order to receive grace, but we do them, and as a result, we put ourselves in the occasion of grace huh? because we're emptying ourselves out. So after the final blessing, the basketball team resumed its duties. Um, they hoisted the casket. They brought him to the hearse. There was an honor guard. Uh, He was given a full military funeral. um, And then the flag of the school was left at half-mast. The boys said to their their goodbyes, their new brother playing by the playing of taps, of course. 
uh, and then and then off he went to to the um, to the burial site. And uh, once again, about um, a Catholic uh, memorial, it's a Christian brother school, and they prioritize Jesus's seven corporal works of mercy. And as you remember from your reading, huh? Uh, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, shelter the homeless, visit the sick, visit the imprisoned, give alms to the poor, bury the dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, those originate, of course, from Matthew chapter 25, if, mm-hmm. you, if you need to look it up. So again, it's, it's always good to go back to scriptures and kind of find the root mm-hmm. for why we do what we do. And then you can even go all the way back in the Old Testament and find uh, the works of mercy. In fact, if you really want a good reflection on the works of mercy, the book of Tobit. Mm-hmm. The book of Tobit. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so during the funeral services in the student chapel, the students learn what it means to welcome somebody on the margins into their family. They give shelter, even for someone, you know, mm-hmm. who, who has died. They bury the dead, they visit the sick, all these things. And, and from empathy, we begin to see really how Christ sees us from the cross, mm-hmm. you know, right. to actually want to enter into mm-hmm. our suffering. Um, though, though nothing is deserved, all yeah. is gift, you know? Yeah. Um, it starts with learning the name mm-hmm. of, of this guy, huh? of yeah. this, uh, this veteran, uh, Mr. Timothy Fowle. So yeah. may, may he, through the mercy of God, rest in peace, and all the souls of those, especially those whose names are not known, yeah. you know, who have no uh, proper burial. Yeah. So, uh, so Catholic Underground kudos to the students, to the faculty at Catholic Memorial there in, uh, in Massachusetts. So that's, that's a really cool kind yeah. of uh, yeah. real yeah. living of, of the, the corporal works of mercy. Uh, very, very true. In fact, in the in the chat room, it says uh, God created them by name. It's important to say their name. That's very mm-hmm. true. Yeah, and that's actually why we're given a name at our mm-hmm. baptism. It's why we uh, choose a name at our confirmation, right? Yeah. Or one is chosen for us yes. by the saint who becomes yeah. our, you know, yes. our uh, intercessor. Yeah. But that's the, these are the important things. Yeah, you know? and when you see when you see someone, you know, or some people um, who choose to dehumanize someone yeah the first thing they'll do is is eliminate their the use of their name that's yeah. right you know yeah um, because then that you know what am i mm-hmm. right exactly yeah well, that's why names are so important to god like you know not only in the giving of the name but also in the changing of the name that's correct yeah. at, at moments of of conversion or moments of covenant um mm-hmm. but then too like when god tells moses his name like yes. that's a big deal because what like what is a name? It's a, it's a point of recognition, but it's also a point of like power in a yeah, sense. An, like an I invitation know you to have yeah yeah I to know have a you. deeper knowledge of somebody. Yeah. yeah, so it's like for us to know God's name mm-hmm. is is a big deal because mm-hmm. it means that there's an intimacy there. Yeah, um, that and, and we so should have if nothing else, like Christina says in the chat room, teaching others to always ask names, even if we can't give them money. Yeah, you know that's an important thing because not only just because it's it's humanizing. Yeah, but but because it is a desire to say I wish to know you. And I wish for mm-hmm. you to know me. And and sometimes, I mean, even I forget that too, because we can we can get mm-hmm. very kind of business minded, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it's just I'm just thinking about this right now. But how many times do people use my name in a day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. The people that I work with when I was a teacher, I mean, I'd hear it 24 seven. Miss Lee, Miss Lee, mm-hmm. Miss Lee. <laughs> but if you don't have a community, if mm-hmm. you're if you're homeless, how many times do you hear your name? Yeah. yeah. You Probably could, not ever. You just hear you, a number. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, you could go days, months without anybody speaking your name mm-hmm. um, and, and how like difficult that would be. And of be. course, that's mm-hmm. I mean, that's part of solitary confinement in prisons, too, uh-huh. you know, is yeah. you, you, you dehumanize the person, oh, yeah. first of all, by never calling their name and always calling them their number. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. And that uh, that I think is, is what we in our society um, ought not to do mm-hmm. is to put people in solitary, mm-hmm. you know. 
because we, we are effectively dehumanizing them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a very good point of, 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 uh, of recollection and reflection for sure. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Well, uh, I suppose at this point we should let you reflect uh, however you like on the fact that we are the Catholic Underground. Oh yeah, you are listening to and watching, if you have chosen to do so, The Catholic Underground. We are online uh, all the time at catholicunderground.tv. I am Father Chris, joined by Kathleen Lee, by Olivia Galino, by Jeff Blackwell, and by David in the... uh, the pit of destruction, the, 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 the video, the video zone, yeah. Which, by the way, got to say, Dave, uh, I don't want to jinx you, but doing a great job there. In He's the really case. pushing your buttons. He's really pushing my buttons, <laughs> Roger. Do you remember that? Do you remember that uh, that Little Caesars commercial? It was uh, this, this old not. this older lady, like this grandma lady, had a, a monkey, and I don't know why. I'm not sure why. Well, but who would? But he would. He had like a TV remote, and he would always change the channels, and, oh. and then the lady would say, "You really pushing my buttons, Roger." <laughs> I'm the only one who remembers that, apparently. Yes, you are. Or the YouTube now. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's a great soundbite. Um, but uh, anyway, we are the Catholic Underground, and all that. <laughs> Our picks of the week are coming up. But first, sometimes prayer, if we're honest, is not easy. What? And there are times when prayer is downright difficult. Exactly. So we thought we'd turn to the one who knows about a lot of things. A difficulty yes. is this one. <laughs> Kathleen <laughs> the Lee. Benefactor. If it's difficult, prayer. Kathleen's going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, prayer can certainly be difficult. Um, and perseverance in prayer, not just what you say, mm-hmm. um, you know, but but persevering yeah, and showing moving up. forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pushing in, leaning into that prayer um, can be a challenge, even for um, many well-intentioned, faithful, you know, Christians. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes you see somebody who, who like, they're always at Mass, and they're mm-hmm. always doing, and they seem so holy. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that they're not, they haven't ever in their life struggled with That's right, with or are, are not struggling at that moment, right? right. Connected back to the last segment that... We're not always up, mm-hmm. you know. Exactly. Oftentimes, yeah. people see other people at prayer and they go, "Oh, they've got it all figured out." Yeah. Right. Yep. Or like, you know, I always hear speakers and they're like, "I prayed for this and the Lord answered me." I'm like, "Oh, good for you." How does that happen, <laughs> right? Like, he, right. Is, he ain't t- yeah. listening to me. He's too busy listening to you. So, so I mean, it's not always what it seems, right? right. Just as our life has ups and downs, right? So does our prayer life, and um, sometimes our soul can be in a certain darkness mm-hmm. where, where joy and consolation. So consolation is, um, I, how would you describe consolation? Uh, consolation I, is is being given uh, assurance yeah. that you are walking with the Lord. Right. Um, so when you just yeah. feel like you're on the right track and yeah. you feel very comfortable. Sometimes it's a feeling, sometimes it's yeah. a disposition of the heart mm-hmm. uh, of, a, of, a, of a near fullness. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? And so sometimes we can be time in times of consolation and joy um, and other times um, we can be in real dryness and, and boredom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when you just feel like you're banging your head. My, and when I, I know that when I feel like I'm banging my head up against a brick wall. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I used to think, um, like, Lord, why did you build this? Like, why did you put this wall here? And he's like, uh, no, boo-boo, mm-hmm. you built that wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you're right. The wall was in you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. <laughs> so what should we do in these times when we feel bored or when we feel dry or... Um, in opposite of consolation, desolation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
so we should heed the words of St. John of the Cross, Indeed. who is a doctor of mystical theology. That's Shivers. right. One of those doctors of the church. <laughs> yes, yeah. indeed. Or, um, in easier terms, an expert on how prayer positively impacts the soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And he did so as, as a poet more than right. anything else. Oh, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. So he says this. He says, never give up prayer. And should you find dryness and difficulty, persevere in it for this very reason. God often desires to see what love your soul has, and love is not tried by ease and satisfaction. Love is not tried by ease and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. That is uh, anti what our world tells us love Mm -hmm. is, that love is all ease and satisfaction. Ease is all getting things the way you want them on Sunday morning. No, that's not what love is. Well, you know, for me, this reminds me of, of... marriage and our marriage vows that we take mm. in good times and in bad do we take those same you know vows to our to do we stick those to our prayers mm-hmm. i'm going to stick with this prayer in good times and in bad mm-hmm. in sickness and in health mm-hmm. i'm not only going to say thank you lord jesus on thanksgiving day mm-hmm. you know, but i'm going to say it every day yeah. uh, for whatever reason um and to look and, and to be intentional about saying those things even mm-hmm. when i don't right. feel it Right. Yeah, right. yeah. So God allows the soul to undergo dryness to purify our emotions and to strengthen our will. Mm-hmm. You know, think about when you work out. I mean, you working out is not sitting on your couch. Nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But to strengthen your body, mm-hmm. you have to break it down a little bit. It's mm-hmm. true. In order for the muscle fibers right. to yeah. grow, you they got to be it. ripped. Right. So and, okay. uh, I was just thinking of uh, that reminds me of something that Anthony Bloom says, and I probably have said this before. Uh, beginning I really to like, pray. Good book, by the way. Beginning to mm-hmm. pray. Just go read it. He's an Orthodox archbishop. Mm-hmm. Amazing book. Mm-hmm. But he starts with the absence of God. Like that's where he starts yeah. with beginning to pray. And I love that because he, he starts with the recognition that anytime you can perceive the absence of God, it's not a reality because God is always present. But if God is allowing you to, to experience an absence, then there's a reason for it. And when we try to like manufacture a presence, we have to be really careful because, or when we try to like force ourselves into God's presence, he says to be careful because anytime we enter into the Lord's presence, it's always in the context of judgment and it's either salvation or damnation. Yep. And like that, but that's, that's the reality of coming into the Lord's presence. That's why, you know, um, if, if anyone went into the Holy of Holies, that was not the high priest or, um, that, you know, you touched the ark, they died because those are the stakes, right? Right. Um, it's one of judgment and it's not to make us scared, but to make us realize, you know, who we're really praying to, who That's we're right. really talking to. He happens to. to be God. Yes. The one who made us. Yeah. I yeah. am who am. Exactly. All that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so are we praying for consolations or out of love for the God of consolations? Yeah. Oof. Do we want something or are we praying, um, you know, out of love for the yeah. God who gives us that something? Or do I wish to be in relationship with the right. giver, even if he's not giving? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, which mm-hmm. is difficult, mm-hmm. right? Which, of course, um, he always is, but not yes. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. disclaimer. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So while our senses are being starved, the spirit is being greatly fed. So like a child who's being weaned from milk to solid food. Mm-hmm. They may feel like they're missing out on the milk, right? But they're being fed in a whole other way. Um, And we don't always understand it, but that's all right, because I'm going to give you a little rundown on what to do. If you ever feel in your in your prayer life that um, you're banging your head up against the brick wall and the Lord is not speaking to you, that there's just dryness that you don't want to go back. Like, why am I going to pray mm-hmm. if nothing is coming out of it? Right? If nothing is fruitful, um, here are some things that that we should su- suggest to you. One, allow yourself. This is hard for me to remain quiet before the Lord. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of uh, the the guy who would always sit in the chapel. 
mm-hmm. um, in, in John Vianney's church and ours, uh, mm-hmm. uh, then Father Jean Vianney. Mm. Um, St. John Vianney. You might know him. Yeah, you might know him. <laughs> uh, and and uh, he would always ask the man, you know, I see you here day after day. Mm-hmm. And he says, why are you here? He goes, well, uh, I'm just a simple farmer, but I look at him mm-hmm. in the tabernacle and he looks back at me and that refreshes my soul. Yeah. Mm. I just recently, in the last probably two years, have sat with that idea that mm-hmm. when I go into adoration, not only am I looking at the Lord, but he's looking back at me Mm -hmm. and that like, you know, so I tell, you know, the teens, I'm like, look, when I go and talk to them, I say, think about this. When you walk into church and Christ is in the tabernacle, like he rejoices in the fact that you are there. Like he's right. Oh, you know, so-and-so is here. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Right. So I have called to you. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And have you ever Mm -hmm. been with somebody where you you don't have to say anything? Mm -hmm. Right. You're just looking at them. That's and that's kind of uncomfortable for us nowadays. Mm -hmm. If we look Mm -hmm. like to look at people to see them for who they are. Mm -hmm. But when we look at Jesus. Right. We really look and we allow him to look back at us and there's a relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Yep. Right. Um, Two. rest on a particular word or phrase of sacred scripture. Yep and let it feed you, mm-hmm. right? Go to the gospels, go to the Psalms. You know, you, I I don't really often play Bible roulette because it puts me in like, mm-hmm. you know, sacrificial goats and stuff. So, <laughs> um, but, but find a scripture that, that the Lord is trying to teach you. Yeah, stick with the you. gospels yeah. and you're doing yeah. okay, right? Just about anything from the gospels. Or Tobit. Or Tobit, yeah. or Tobit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, have an mm. honest conversation with Jesus. Mm. He knows, yep. he knows. You can he, yell at him, it's okay. Yeah. Right. You can. There Amen. have been plenty of times where I've come in and, you know, you share with him that you're really not liking the silent treatment. Mm-hmm. All right. Lord. There have been plenty of times where I'm like, oh, you got to say something mm-hmm. or I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I say, look, I don't like this, but I'm I'm here. Yeah. Like I'm planting myself here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, persevere. Don't yeah. give up. Right. Mm-hmm. If you plan to pray for 15 minutes, if you're looking at um, at, you know, at prayer time, I'm going to commit to 15 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Don't sit there and watch your clock. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's, if you're in a dry time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stay. St- if you budgeted for 15 minutes per, pr- stay 16. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Saint Ignatius talks about that. Yeah. Show up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, stick to your planned times of prayer. Right. Don't give up or cut corners unless there's a good reason, like uh, an emergency, a fire, or a sick kid. Or a right? sick kid on fire. Yeah. That would not be good. <laughs> you know, in that maybe. case, heaven help you. Yes. That's right. Yes, indeed. Uh, but stick to that planned prayer time. It's like working out. Mm-hmm. Right, we we can wake up for for a week maybe at six a.m. and go work out, but the second week we're like, well, I'm not really seeing hey, any results. Yeah, so right, yeah, you know, yeah. we do the same thing with prayer. Right, number uh number whatever I don't know whatever. <laughs> uh, give God space. Mm-hmm. Right, allow God to pour out His graces upon you on His terms, and in His due time, not yours. Mm-hmm. Don't ask for. I mean, you can ask for specifics. Right. But the Lord is, isn't going to wrap it up in a bow every time and give it to you. No. So allow like make your prayer general. Mm-hmm. Right. And then allow him to work. Right. And the last one, allow yourself to be useless. Mm-hmm. Waste Oof. time with the Lord. Yep. You're a human being, not a human doing. Mm, my Lord. So mm-hmm. just be just sit with him when you're looking at him in the in, in the Eucharist. Just sit and look at him. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Well, we hope that you will sit on your commute wherever you are. Because there's more on the other side of the break. We're the Catholic Underground, so stay right there.
Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Welcome back. You found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker. I'd rather be surfing right now. Do you surf? I can, but not well. The more you I wouldn't rather be surfing than doing the show. I'm just, you know, kind of piggybacking on the music. He hates us, folks, but he knows how to surf. Good day. (laughs) Could we all surf together, I think? (laughs) No, this does not surf. I can't even stand up paddleboard. Kathleen and I will guard the cooler. (laughs) (laughs) Let me get the cooler. Yeah, and you just laugh at me. I understand how this... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you know everything you need to know about the Catholic Underground crew. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm Father Chris with uh, Kathleen and Olivia and David... And Jeff, that's the crew tonight. Tonight, yes. Yeah, and uh, you people out there, and all of you. Actually, you know what? You all are part of the Catholic Underground crew as well. Mm-hmm. Fooled you. You may not be on <laughs> this side of the uh, the audio equipment, but you're certainly out there, and we're glad that you are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I say that enough, but I'm glad that you're with us mm-hmm. and that you're listening, um, and yes. certainly praying for us. And know that you've got prayer warriors here. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, whenever I don't have a mass intention, which is rare, but if I don't have a mass intention scheduled for like a private mass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will offer also. I will often offer it uh, for you, for our benefactors, mm-hmm. and for those who listen and watch us. So That's know awesome. that you've got at least one priest um, who is praying for your intentions. Our picks of the week are coming up in just a few moments. But we thought we would talk a little bit about evangelization. It's like a it's like a five dollar and fifty cent word, Ooh. and we are we are constantly trying to kind of refine what it means here in in the twenty first century. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Well, because the 21st century, and I would venture to say even, you know, this decade versus the last one, Mm -hmm. you know, things are moving so quickly that our definition or our understanding of evangelization needs to shift with it. Um, Because, you know, we, I think when I, at least when I hear the word evangelization, and I work in like the Department of Evangelization and Catechesis, but there's still this connotation of evangelization as like Bible thumping, like people on the sidewalk with pamphlets and like, that's not it, right? Uh, Evangelization is something much more, like we were talking about prayer a minute ago, like it's much more intimate, it's much more personal, and you really can't evangelize unless you know the person or have have respect for the dignity of the person in front of you. Mm -hmm. You know, numbers, forget them. Success rates, what are those? You know, evangelization is, is person to person and really about coming to the reality that I may not know what happens in this person's life after I meet them, but that's not the point. Right. Um, so Bishop Barron, actually, who's he's like the head of the USCCB Committee on Evangelization. I believe he is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's yeah. If you also like, you know, after the show, not right now, but you should go <laughs> and, and watch his uh, his I guess his comments that he gave during the recent USCCB yeah. meeting, um, it was a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. but he talked for a good while about, you know, just the modern state of, of disaffiliation of young Catholics, of, of our need for evangelization. Um, I really recommend you go watch that. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. I'll, yeah. uh, I'll find it here. Yeah. Um, but he also wrote this piece for the National Catholic Register about, um, you know, what can we use as like a case study for evangelization? And I love what he chose because he chose Paul's. Uh, 
um, speech on the Areopagus mm-hmm. in uh, Acts chapter 17. And um, and you might remember this. It's like he's standing before the tomb of the unknown God. Like, um, but, it, but what Paul is doing in that moment is significant. Um, and, and really, you know, Baron, Bishop Barron says that it's a kind of master class in the evangelization of a culture um, and that anyone engaged today in that essential task, which is all of us, yeah. um, should read that with care. Because um, it really was quite something. I mean, oh, he, yeah. was, he was walking into a, a, an unknown, ter- well, a territory that was known in the ancient mm-hmm. world. Um, but but he was walking as a he was walking in as an unknown element. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like who is this guy? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like I I got the privilege when I was studying in in Rome. We we all took a class trip to Greece, and one of our our the chaplain on our our semester was a, a Cistercian monk named Father Thomas. And when we went to the Areopagus, we all they had us all sit down, and he stood and recited this from memory. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, but it was amazing because you really had to enter into that moment and realize that like, while he's giving this speech, the whole of like the, the, the pagan mythology is, is like yeah. a background. Right. And you can right. just imagine. Because all the other temples are there. Yeah, right. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have like, I think the main temple like right there is. Kind of like Free Speech Alley in, uh, at LSU. There right? you go. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So, I mean, like he, it, it's not only a formidable space, but like there's no escaping the fact that he is, he's alone in 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 Mm. voicing this truth um and so the context for paul's speech is his mission to greece right the areopagus is in greece um and that that mission is is started when he crosses over from asia minor to the mainland of europe you remember that paul what he you know all of his letters are different areas um kind of on his travels right so he eventually gets to greece um and this speech uh and that trip really was one of the most decisive events in history because it really signaled the introduction of Christianity to Europe. Because yeah. remember, you know, Jerusalem is not in Europe. Jerusalem is in like like the Middle East, Asia Minor. Um, mm-hmm. And so it really takes what Paul's mission started and eventually ended up in Rome, Peter, um, to, to st- sort of like explode Christianity to all of Europe um, and to the rest of the world. And so the, the first lesson in there for us, Bishop Barron says, is that the evangelist never rests right. because the call of the Lord is to announce the good news to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the earth. And for you and me, I don't think that we should think like, well, got to get my, my ticket to Athens booked, right. you know, mm-hmm. because the ends of the earth can be in our own community. Right. You know, yeah. like, your Areopagus uh, might be your family. It mm-hmm. might be might be your parish. It certainly is uh, is the place where you spend most of your time. It might be your coffee shop, right? You know, and think about like what are the ends of your earth? Yeah, you know, you, we all kind of we construct our our worlds, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because we have to in- inhabit somewhere. Um, but think about like what what stretches the limits of your particular existence, your particular earth, their world that you've created for yourself. And, and how would you go to the ends of that earth? Right. And it could be as simple as doing something you wouldn't ordinarily do or talking to someone you wouldn't ordinarily talk to. Um, so I, that's like a, it's a challenge in creativity as well as evangelization to say like, okay, well, yeah, like I need to think about my own life and, and how I can go to the ends of the earth just today. Yeah. Um, so after spending some time in like the northern parts of the territory in Greece, so like Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, Paul made his way down to Athens. Um, and it should be noted, Bishop Barron says, that his preaching in the north met with some success. He had some success there. His communities were being started and, and maintained. Um, but he also started up some fierce opposition. People yeah. were starting to get to know him and know his name, but not in a good way. Um, he oh, was, that's Paul. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And Paul is he's a he's a brazen character. He like this is. this dude's kind of like Peter. Right. Like he's not going to be lukewarm. No. You're either going to love him or you're going to hate him. Mm-hmm. Um so he was arrested in and imprisoned in Philippi. He was chased pretty aggressively out of Thessal- uh, Thessalonica by an angry mob, you know, not unlike Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um but from the very beginning that Christian proclamation has been opposed. We know this. This is not new information. And Christian preachers have found themselves in danger. Case mm-hmm. in point, Paul was there as Saul when Stephen was stoned to death right. for preaching the good news. Yep. Right. So this is something that has been from the very beginning of the church and that Paul as Saul even participated in himself. So he he's very aware of what he's getting into. Yeah. Um, but the lesson in there for us is that those who, who will venture into that field today shouldn't be surprised when they meet with some pretty rough plowing. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're, we're not going to enter into situations that are easy. We're not going to enter into situations that kind of give way to what we say. And in fact, if you aren't like struggling or having to push through at any point, it's probably not evangelization that you're doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I certainly, as a priest, I certainly find that in, in my ministry, um, especially in the 21st century, is that there is often a lot of pushback. Mm-hmm. And it's really easy to preach when everybody gets what you're saying. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but it's it's difficult to evangelize whenever you are in the Areopagus where you've got people that are saying, mm, I don't know, mm-hmm. or I am diametrically opposed to everything coming out of your mouth, yeah. you know. Um, and, and that is now happening in a lot of centers, which is, of course, one of Bishop Barron's things that he talks about yeah. in that USCCB um, address, mm-hmm. is that there are now people who have not been introduced to Jesus Christ, to yeah. the gospel, and, and the things that they know about Christ and the church are things that, that have been fed to them by a culture that already kind of proceeds from mm-hmm. a we'll tell you what it is, right. even though that's not what it is at all, right. Right. you know? Yeah, and so it's a very different playing field than talking to, like as Catholics to even other Christians or as Catholics to people of other uh, non-Christian religions. Yeah. You know, we have to not only contend with what we believe and what other people believe, profess to believe, mm-hmm. but also what people think about us. Yeah. And that's that's a hard road to travel because very often we're going to be misunderstood. Yeah. And we you have to check that baggage at the door if you're going to be an evangelist. That's and That's right, not baby. easy stuff to do. That's right. Um, but Paul knew that it was still very important that he go to Athens. Athens is like the center of culture at this yeah. time. Um, and, and really like at, for many, many years from the you know, conquering of Alexander the Great to you know, pretty recently uh, after Paul leaves there, like Athens is, is the Rome of the ancient world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Bishop Barron says that it was a sure instinct that Christians from Paul to Augustine to Aquinas, John Henry Newman, John Paul II, that they have made their way to centers of thought communication and the arts. So it's very important that we not only try to, to create a culture around ourselves, but we go to where it already exists. Yep. Um, and so what is that in today's world? I mean, it, it doesn't always have to be a physical place. It could be, um, you know, learning like philosophy or, mm. or you know, the arts, fine arts or cinema or, you know, things that are kind of cultural bastions. Yep. Find what those are. You know what they are because they're the things that influence your daily living. Mm-hmm. Um, and wherever culture kind of finds its nexus point, that's where we need to be. And and the church is very clear about that. You know, you read like Intermorifica and um, and that one of the documents that came out of Vatican II, and and especially when it comes to like communication, that document's very clear that not only should we should be not only should we be um, you know catching up to yeah. the the communication methods of the time, but we should be like ahead of them. Right. Yeah. We we should be leading the way, right? Yeah. Intermorphica speaks about that, and of course, that's a, a big part of what the Catholic Underground tries to do, yeah. is to be as viable mm-hmm. in our presentation 
of mm-hmm. of the faith right so that uh, perhaps you who are who have just kind of stumbled onto us on facebook are like you know that's actually pretty well produced mm-hmm. uh, what are they saying right you know and yeah. that's that's really where evangelization has to meet with with the world at large right it comes is, down to trust yeah. yeah exactly and and to say no i i have a i have some reason to be here mm-hmm. in this in this space yeah. right mm-hmm. and it also is a reality that that Catholicism is not just a, a list of beliefs or doctrines; that it is a culture, yeah. um, and that you know we and we know this as as Catholics. We see it in our liturgical life. We mm-hmm. see it in the the way that that we live and that we interact with other Catholics, and and the way that we. Uh, kind of build up communities for ourselves that are Catholic so that we can live that culture authentically. Um, But it's about finding ways of meeting the culture with our own culture in a way that's not trying to, you know, like we're not trying to tear down what you've built, but we're going to do like they did in Rome. And if you have an obelisk in a pagan obelisk in the middle of the square, okay, we're going to put Mary on top. You know, we don't tear down things, but we redeem them. That's right. So how can we do that to the culture today? Because it is redeemable, obviously, because oh, yeah, our yeah. Redeemer died to redeem it. Yeah. You know? The yeah. only thing irredeemable is Baton Rouge traffic. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's right. Because oh, yeah. it's all wrapped up and it's finds just... its source in hellfire sand. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Actually, it does because it is rooted in selfishness. Yeah. Yeah. But don't get me started on traffic. But, but that. But that's the, that's the thing is the only thing that is irredeemable about mm-hmm. our culture is sin. Right. Because sin already has chosen not to be redeemed, you know? Uh, And so that's why in evangelization, to be able to allow people to realize their true nature, Mm -hmm. you know, that you were not not the the doing of sin, right? Right. You you were so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah, so like, let's get back to Paul and his journey. Where is he going? Uh, As soon as he gets into Athens, right, he's gone to the north, gotten in some trouble, it makes its way down to Athens. What does he do when he's in Athens? He makes a beeline, as he's wont to do, Mm -hmm. straight to the synagogue. Because his good news is that God, in Christ Jesus, has fulfilled all the promises that he made to Israel. And just like we were talking about a minute ago, God doesn't destroy the obelisk. He doesn't mm-hmm. destroy what came before. He doesn't tear down, but he builds, he redeems, he fulfills. And so that's what Paul's good news is. He's going to the Jews and saying, guys, what you've been waiting for, what we've been waiting for, it happened. It's real. It's here. And he knew that Jews were in the best position to understand what he was talking about. Um, and so Bishop Barron says that we find here another crucial lesson, crucial lesson for present day evangelizers is that we can't forget the unbreakable connection between Jesus and the Jews. And so when we speak of Jesus, and we kind of can do this as Catholics, when we speak of Jesus as separate from the Old Testament or as an abstraction from the Torah, the temple, prophecy, covenant, all of that, we devolve rather rapidly into making Jesus this kind of like, I don't know, like a man of platitudes yeah. or just this mildly inspiring teacher, um, kind of like Confucius, like someone who just said some true things and was overall kind of a good guy. We reduce him into that, where the reality is, is that Jesus is the living Torah. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the bridegroom that the covenant was always intended to move towards. You know, right. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that we've been waiting for. The prophets spoke of him even if they didn't know it. Um, the temple, yeah. the temple becomes incarnate in his body. Right. His heart is the Holy of Holies. You know, we just celebrated the, the Feast of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Solemnity of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. What do you think the Most Sacred Heart is? That's where, that's where the love of God dwells and is poured that's out right. for us. That's the Holy of Holies. Literally poured out. Literally poured mm-hmm. out. Blood and water flowed from his side. So when we speak of Jesus and as like separate from all of that, like we can just kind of bracket what happened before, 
move on, but now we got Jesus. No, we're doing a disservice to who he is. The language that God chose to speak to his people in was Hebrew. That Mm -hmm. should mean something to us. It doesn't mean we all have to go learn Hebrew, but it means that we have to have respect for how God chose to reveal himself to us. All right, so next, uh, we're told that Paul went out into the marketplace. After he goes to the synagogue, goes to the marketplace. Not because he needed some apples. Mm-hmm. He had a mission. Uh, <laughs> and what did he do? He spoke to the people who happened to be there. Yep. So the sons and daughters of Israel might be those that are like best disposed to hear and accept Paul's message. But the gospel is meant for everyone. Right. And Paul knows that because he's going into Gentile territory. Yeah, and he's received the mandate to do it. Exactly. Yeah. So he goes to the Jews, but he's not just there for them. Uh, his evangelization is kind of extravagant. It's indiscriminate mm-hmm. because it is for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's offered on the streets, from the rooftops, anywhere that he can find someone willing to listen. That's yeah. Paul's mission. And that's the thing is he always starts with, with the Jewish people that are there. Yeah. Um, kind of announcing to them first. Uh, because they are, as you say, they are the ones who perhaps don't need... <laughs> Uh, convincing in a yeah. sense, right? Because they will have heard of Jesus already, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But but he he never stays there. He always kind of uh, spreads outward, and yeah. he realizes that that the the Gentiles have have had no uh, one to proclaim the gospel to them. And so right. he says, "Yep, I'll do it." Yeah, and so our evangelization should look kind of similar. Um, Bishop Barron says that, you know, he knows that even the prospect of it is pretty daunting, especially thinking about what that would look like to us as modern day people. Um, but that, you know, Bishop Barron himself has always been a fan of street preaching, just Mm -hmm. going, getting up on a corner and just talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, and will you be mocked for that? Probably most definitely. Mm -hmm. But so was Paul. Um, there's, there's a certain sense of fortitude that is required of us to even speak the name of Jesus anymore. Like to even say to someone who maybe you don't know their situation and they don't know yours, but to even say like, yeah, I'm Catholic or, Mm -hmm. you know, like Kathleen and I, like we, we work for the church. Um, you know, that I have all these medals around my neck when people ask me about them, do I tell them the truth or do I just say like, oh, I just liked them, you know, like Uh what what do you say? How do you, how do you make it so that, that Jesus is just so, so much part of you that you can't help, but, but let other people know. Um, so, you know, in Paul's demonstration, of the full and extent range of his outreach, we're told that he he dialogued with um, some of the Stoics and Epicureans, which those are some schools of philosophical thought at the time that were really popular. Mm-hmm. They were um, kind of like the philosophical priests of their culture. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Stoicism, you know, being like tempering the, the, the passions, you kind of keep everything on an even keel. But Epicureanism is just like, like hedonism, like pleasure yeah. and is yeah. the, the, the <laughs> whatever the epidermis the wants it gets. Right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, but as an evangelist, you have to be willing to, to, as Paul says, like be all things to all people, which is not to say that you are God and you are Jesus because you are not, but you have to be capable of speaking to the ordinary, that just the, the way that people already are thinking. Um, and even the most sophisticated because the people who were in these philosophical schools were like upper crusty. So you have to be willing to do, (laughs) yeah, I like that, but you have to be willing to, to kind of look at the playing field and be willing to go anywhere. Sure. And then when Paul gets to the Areopagus, um, and it's like right below the Parthenon, where all of these temples are set up, this is where Paul delivers his speech, but he's already laid this groundwork, right? Mm -hmm. 
And um, there's this old like rhetorical device that he's using, which is basically just like capturing the goodwill of his audience because he starts by complimenting the Athenians. Um, and granted, remember, these are just people who are there. They're there yeah. probably to worship or, you know, have a picnic or whatever they did uh, on the Areopagus. But he says, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. You know, that's a compliment to them yeah. because you're, they're you're already capable of worshiping God. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's more here, obviously, than he's not just trying to like give them, pay them lip service and then peace out. Um, but he's appealing to what the fathers of the church would later call logos spermaticoi, so mm-hmm. seeds of the word. Um, and that is to say like hints or echoes, indications of the logos that is fully disclosed in Christ. And I really think that's a key part of what we're called to do now, but that also requires that we uh, live deep lives of prayer. And we know we have a, a reason for our belief that we can tell people why we're so convicted of what we believe, mm-hmm. but we also have to be able to see the deep rationality behind it. Because I feel like that's so important with just talking to people today, like showing people like, I'm not crazy. I don't just believe things because mm-hmm. someone told them to me but because it's deeply rational that's right and you know that like you you have a capacity to worship and i'll i'll, I'll help you i'll show you what i right. mean exactly um so then he says by the way <laughs> i see that uh you have a tomb here to the unknown god mm-hmm. yeah and and that i know his name <laughs> yeah that's when paul really comes in with the throat punch um <laughs> because he it, he he siphons that out and he says that um that you know, if you if you build a religious foundation in a place where like he's looking at the size the society he's already addressing, um, he's saying that he knows that they're looking for something. He's 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 recognizing that they're already a religious people, but that they still feel like an absence. Mm-hmm. They still feel a, a depth of of that something's missing, and that's their way of capturing it. Right, mm-hmm. that's their way of saying of encapsulating like this is what we don't know, but we still want to worship. Um, and so by pointing that out, Paul is saying that he's not just affirming what they're already doing, but he's, he's trying to fulfill it. He's trying to go after it. And by introducing Christ, that's his way of doing that. Um, and so he announces them that the God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines, shrines made by human hands. So, and remember the backdrop the backdrop to everything that he's saying is all of the, the temples to the pagan gods. Mm-hmm. And that must have really gotten their attention because he's saying that the God that you want, the yeah. God that you're trying to, to you're- somewhat think about when the, with this tomb of the unknown God, that, this is the God that I'm talking about. And it's the God of, of Abraham and Isaac and Joseph and Jesus. Um, and so he's pointing out that there are seeds of the word in their culture, mm-hmm. but that there are idolat- idolatrous practices and erroneous theologies as well. Yeah. And so what do we learn from this? You know, the evangelist who can move through the culture of his time, he assimilates what he can. You know, we're not we're not syncretic people. We don't, or, uh, syncretic people? Anyway, yeah. Um, people, yeah. people of syncretism, where, where we just assimilate whatever we can find. And everything's all, all the same, so it doesn't okay. really matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we can find, you know, elements of truth, seeds of the word and other things, and we affirm that yeah. because In that's true. In our culture, true. we In can our do that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but we can also resist and we should resist where we don't find um, what is what is a seed of the word. Yep. Um, so finally, like we had to think about like what was Paul's outcome from this. We like to think in terms of cause and effect. Yeah. So we think like, well, he was doing a really good job. He covered all his bases. He must have just like, you know, like the beginning of Acts, like he baptized three thousand that day. And I, I love the way that the people respond because oh, yeah. it's so. I mean, it's so human. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some scoffed. But others said, we will hear you again about this. Right. Now, whether they were giving him the brush off or whether they were like, yeah, there's something happened. Yeah. yeah. You know, 
um, they, they still recognized that, that this was different right. and that there is something further about uh, the, the notion of the resurrection from the dead. Mm-hmm. And that if somebody was truly logical and, 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 and truly a stoic, mm-hmm. then they would have wanted to know where his logic would progress from there. Right. And so that in and of itself plants a seed for further discussion. Right. And, and as evangelists, that's what we're called to do. In fact, as a priest, that's so much of what I'm supposed to do in my little, you know, mm-hmm. eight to 15 minute homily. Uh, 20 if I'm really, you know, uh, touched by the Spirit. Oh, yes. But, uh, but that's the thing, is, is we are supposed to plant a deeper seed so that the person will go, ah, I need to hear you more about this. Maybe yeah. not you, Father, but I need to take this to prayer right. because something happened within me. And that's really the work of the yeah. evangelist, to kind of stir into flame what mm-hmm. is already uh, in nascent, already exactly. kind of coming to birth there. And you might not know what that is. That's my caution to you is that we we, we love to have outcomes. We love to have successes and be yeah. able to put numbers to it. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way that the Lord works. Nope. Um, and in fact, the less you know about what God is doing in other people, the better, yep. because that's not your job to know. Yeah. You know, otherwise, we may begin to think that we are the Messiah. Exactly. Are, yeah. You know, yeah. And I, I think about something I think of St. Teresa of Avila said that, um, you know, our job is to inform, not to convict. So mm-hmm. all Paul's job was is to get up on the Areopagus and speak the truth in a way that they could understand. And what's happening in their heart, even if they don't say it out loud, is is for God to know and not us. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <sighs> so much there. Uh, now, now, now go and uh, proclaim the kingdom of God, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's part of it. Uh, well, you know, as we come to this part of the show, um, we've drawn on for quite some time. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's time for that bit of the show that we call... The CU Pick of the Week. <laughs> I forgot my own uh, catchphrase to go into the thing. I don't know what's happening. Anyway, our first Pick of the Week, Olivia. Ooh. <laughs> this never happens. Game on. Okay. Right. So uh, I'll be brief. But uh, yeah, my Pick of the Week is a company called Richard Photo Lab. And they're based out Richard. of... Richard. Or Richard, maybe. I don't know. Um, probably not. But they're based in California. It's and um, Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I recently got into film photography, and I'm really not very good at it yet, but I'm trying. Um, but I also don't develop my own film, and this is a company that specializes in that. So you can send them your your undeveloped rolls of film, um, mm. and you can tell them how you want it, you know, exposed. Cool. Um, how, you know, what what do you want to do with the negatives? Do you want them to print them, or you just want a digital scan? Uh, and they process all of that for you. It's a good price for the service that they get, and they're quick, y'all. I sent in my film rolls on Wednesday, and I got back my scans yesterday, oh, which wow. is Saturday. Wow. So super quick, really easy to work with. Um, yeah, I really recommend them. Richard Photo Lab, but the owner is named Brian. <laughs> well, you know, wow. he's having an identity crisis. Uh, poor thing. Maybe so. His partner is Kevin. Other <laughs> uh, Olivia, I mean Kathleen. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even fool me. I know you know, I know her name. I'm names. sorry. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So if you if you know me, you know that I'm a big fan of Need to Breathe, um, which is a, a band that is phenomenal. It's probably the only band that I will travel and have traveled to see. I will spend money. Does that make you a groupie? Yes. Okay. I haven't met them yet. It's on my bucket list. Holler at me if you know them. Okay. <laughs> but Bear Reinhardt, who is the lead singer of Need to Breathe. Now there's a name. Um, Bear, right? His yeah. It's awesome. Uh, I'm gonna name my kid Bear. Gert. Um, he started a new project called Wilder Woods, oh. and um, he is releasing an album on August 9th, 2019. But if you pre-order it, there are three um, um, songs available: "Sure Ain't," "Someday Soon," and "Supply and Demand." And if you know Need to Breathe, they're not labeled as a Christian band, but if you listen to their lyrics, they absolutely are. Mm-hmm. And their song "Someday Soon." Um, you talking about dryness and prayer and all that, uh, punched me in the gut a few mm. weeks ago. Um, and I'll just, I'll just, you know, 
some of the lyrics say, just because you feel like a stranger, that don't mean you are. God, I could use a reminder of what forgiveness is for. Mm. I mean, it's just like, what? Yes, thank you. Without, thank you for that. So Wilder Woods, you can check it out at IamWilderWoods.com. Mm-hmm. We'll have and it in the show notes. We'll put it in the show notes yeah. for sure. Jeff, your, uh, your music-related pick of the week. Yes, John Finch. You know what? Yes. You love him. Oh, yeah. He's the, the pride of Pearl River, Louisiana. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he released a new song this week, and it, it's terrific. Uh, if you like EDM... Mm-hmm. Father Ryan does what I'm calling I like Catholic him. cardio. This is definitely the message is <laughs> out front, awesome. man. Yeah. Living for Jesus, and uh, uh, it is a terrific song. It's released on Spotify. You can uh, you can find John Finch there. Live for you is the name of the song. Very cool. My pick of the week. I just happened to have my uh, in my book sack, so it's it's my pick of the week. <laughs> Your backpack. Uh, yeah, backpack. my backpack. Uh, Ed Emberley's Make a World Drawing Book. So mm-hmm. if you're if you like me and you like to draw, or even if you don't like to draw. This is a way to learn, or can't, huh? Ed Emberley has a great, uh, I I don't know if it's patent pending or not, but he he teaches you how to draw by showing you um, what shape you need to draw on the bottom Mm -hmm. rung, and then on the rung above that, he tells you where the shape goes. Mm -hmm. And it's step by step on how to draw, uh, well, in this case, a world. So he takes you through farm animals and airplanes and buildings and cars and all sorts of things. So uh, cool. perhaps this is a good gift if you have somebody who, uh, who likes to draw or a young'un who wants to learn to draw or you just want to learn how to doodle better. Oh. It's a good thing. So uh, I'll put that in the show notes. Ed Emberley's Make a World Drawing Book. Jeff, we're so grateful to all of those who support us and all of those who watch and listen, yes, aren't we? Yes, indeed. Yeah. This week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. And an important way to support us is to like us, heart us, star us, and share us on your social media platform of choice. If you really like our podcast, pop by iTunes and leave us a review and click them stars, youngins. That's right. Uh, our <laughs> panelists have been Kathleen Lee. She's the benefactress. It'd be a shame if something would have happened to your postulate. Uh, she's, she's at Kaylee626 on Instagram. Yep. Thanks, Kathleen. Hey, uh, Olivia Galino is at the.real.omg on just about all the social media. Thanks, yes. Olivia. I, mean, I noticed the <laughs> sass with which that was said. But yeah, well, you know, I'm getting better at saying it. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, that's Jeff Blackwell is our tech director. He's at jeffblackwell.us and at jeffblackwellus on Instagram and on Twitter. Thank you, Jeff. Gracias, Padre. He's our research assistant. The leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes out there in California. Um, uh, our video and graphics director for this episode is David Bizzelli. And uh, you know me. I'm Father Chris. You can follow me on Instagram and just about everything else at Digital Catholic. And we hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice because he's there. You're the Catholic Underground, your faith gone digital, and we'll see you next time.